This is Christy. And this is Chuck. This is Grave Matters. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining me, Chuck. Thanks. I know how much you love true crime. I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. Actually, I do like true crime. Yeah, you do. We watch the whole Dateline yeah, stuff. And... You know, we always try to figure out if the butler did it or whoever did it. The whodunits of everything. Sometimes there's twists and turns and sometimes it's just so damn obvious. It No, it is. But I like the ones where there's twists and turns because it kind of makes you guess. I don't really have a twist and turn case for us this week. No? Straightforward? Straightforward. Boom. It mixes in crime and ghosts. Ooh. (laughs) They don't really sound like that. No, they don't sound like that. (laughs) But she will tell you what they sound like, at least where we're talking about today. I will. Next week's episode is going to have some twists and turns. I'm excited about next week's episode. All right. But this week's episode, we're going to talk about the first prison in Michigan. First. So, so many people love the whole stories of prisons. Yeah. You know, they are interested in Kervorkian, who was famous here in Michigan. Well, probably worldwide, because he was like Dr. Death. Dr. Death. Trying to help those that are already on death's doorstep pass over, have, help them die. And it was against the law because they were saying he was playing God and it was like he was a murderer. He wasn't. And I agree with what he was doing. And maybe in this day and age, you know, this is what, 20 years later, he could actually maybe get away with it. Yeah, there's several states that actually do exactly what Dr. Kaforkian did. It, it was like and a mercy it's, killing. It's yeah. lawful. Yeah. But people love, you know, hearing about all of that. They loved Orange is the New Black. That was a big series. Yeah. And Shawshank Redemption. I mean, how much do we love Shawshank Redemption? That is an all-time classic. Or The Green Mile, which is another prison. Another all-time classic. It is. So Michigan's first state prison is in Jackson, Michigan. Right. It was built in 1838. And it was actually built by the prisoners themselves. Yeah. So how ridiculous is that? Like, I have to build the walls that I am going to stay in for the rest of my life. I'm going to be locked up in, so yeah. It was the largest walled prison in the world at the time, and it housed thousands of inmates. Hmm. So it was constructed on over 20 acres. Mm-hmm. It was and is relocated now like right in back of where it was pretty yeah, much it's kind of like across i-94 yeah i guess it's not kitty in back, corner but, but yeah it's, 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 it's near there and in 1952 in response to poor medical care brutality from the guards bad food mm-hmm. two maximum security prisoners took hold of a guard and used his keys to release other inmates a days-long riot ensued resulting in nine guards being held hostage captive and the inmates fought and won a list of 11 demands for reform Mm. so i think we had heard that that was called the the great p riot like the food yeah because they hated the food so much that they started to throw the peas (laughs) <laughs> and it was where their where their food hall was. Mm-hmm. It was that old ceiling, the tin ceiling. Right. And so it sounded like bullets. Yeah, hitting the ceiling. Because the peas weren't done. The <laughs> yeah. pea soup was not done. So if the peas were hard, then they would go 
Bing. That's what set them off was bad peas. Bad peas. And it became this obnoxious riot and really scary yeah. riot. So I wanted to tell you about some of the most infamous prisoners okay. that had stayed in Jackson Prison. Maybe they're some of your relatives. Oh, <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> Maybe they're some of my relatives. <laughs> I, say, I think mine would probably be closer, but go ahead. So there's the Jackson Robber Gang. They, the first mass breakout in 1840, freed 10 convicts from the prison walls. Then they made out through the woods. They fled to Spring Arbor, where it's a little ways away from there. Yeah, it's a little distance. Where they terrorized the area for two years before they were caught. That's crazy. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. That is nuts. But I guess that was 1840. Right. So there was hidey holes, I guess. D- different, I different world then, yeah. And then prisoner Sarah Haviland, she was the first woman prisoner at Jackson. They really didn't have a woman's prison. She was there in 1882. Remember that good year? That was a great year, 1882. 1882. Yeah, so Sarah ended up, her husband passed away. She had several kids. And her husband, who was a doctor at the time, Um, decided that in order to continue their romance, that the kids were, it wasn't going to do. They didn't need the kids. So slowly she started to poison them. Oh. And so she could live her life with her new romance. Oh, man. And she did. She poisoned several of her children and they unfortunately passed away. Wow. She ended up getting arrested the doctor, who obviously had given her the poison, yeah, because they at the time doctors were also pharmacists, right? And, and they had their little black bag with all the stuff in it. They did. They oh. they were a walking pharmacy. Right. They would the house calls. Right. They did, and so they ended up arresting him, although he was quote out of town. But even though he he had an alibi and he wasn't there, he was an accomplice. Okay. So they both went to prison. He, I think he passed a couple of years after that. But she ended up being so lovely and kind-hearted and everybody loved her so much that the warden ended up making her his, like, housekeeper. And she actually didn't stay in the prison walls. She stayed in the warden's quarters. Of course she did. Well, you know, that wasn't said, mm. but that seems to be assumed. Mm. If she's the only female in there, yeah. Well, his wife, the warden's wife. Yeah. So they were, she was the housekeeper, and she ended up getting into the good graces of all of them, the prisoners, the security guards, and the warden, that they ended up appealing and approving the appeal, and they let her out. Wow. After she had murdered several people, and she really wasn't. A good person. No. But she was a very manipulative. I was going to say, use what your mama gave you, I guess. <laughs> so if you want to know more about Sarah, there's a great podcast by Michael Delawares. It's called Tales of Southeast Michigan's Past. He does a great job of explaining the backstory of Sarah and the research that he's done huh. is, is pretty, um, it's pretty cool. Okay. So the next one is John H. Purves. So Civil War hero, night keeper, John H. Purves. He was one of the first true prison reformers. Although firm with punishment, he also believed in rewards as incentive. 
it's like the gold star. For good behavior? Yeah. Okay. And he kept a journal, and that was published in 1882 called The Night Keeper's Reports, which provided the country's inspiration for prison reform. Yeah. So the original Jackson prison, or the old Jackson prison, right. or old Michigan prison. Old Michigan prison. It is actually an art commune and a condo. Condos. They they turned the old prison into these most beautiful condominiums. And, and and it's not like there's bars or anything. I mean, they redid the whole thing. Oh, there but, are bars in some of them. Well, in some of them, but I mean, yeah. it's not like they're, no, they're like in prison in, cells. Right. right, 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 right. But they do keep a lot of the same yep. motif. Mm-hmm. They have the old gym. Yep. They have solitary confinement, yep. the tunnels, tunnels, and the old... The old food hall. Yep, the food hall. I and the that. towers. Yep. The towers are still there, too. So they have a bookstore, and a lot of people who live there are artists. Right, right. And they sell their wares, and they're beautiful, and they have farmer's markets. And it's so interesting how they've turned this, you know, dark history yeah, of a Yeah, something that's so bad into something halfway good, yeah. yeah. So the Night Keeper's Reports is a book, and it's actually sold in the gift shop there. Okay. The next like infamous part of ja- the old Jackson prison is the Purple Gang. The Purple Gang. So I actually have a personal kind of history to the Purple Gang. Mm. And my dad did not know who his father was. He was actually told by his mother that he was a product of rape. And Aww. he didn't really believe that. I don't believe it either. But, you know, that was the story that was told. My grandmother was like 16 years old. So that made her seem like a better morale, B- better morale story. ethical, yeah. you know, yeah, right. human being back in those days. She was probably a floozy and she was probably leading the guys on. And but, Well, she was. But, but, if she but got, that's that's a whole deep story. If she got pregnant, it's easier to say, well, yeah, I was attacked or I was raped. And whatever. that's what she did. Of course she did. So on my grandmother's deathbed, she confessed to my father that she wasn't um, raped, that no. he wasn't a product of rape. But that she had fallen in love with an older man who had a family and who actually was pretty dangerous. Mm. And that in order to protect him, Ah. that that story continued into the secrecy. She offered his name and he forgot. He forgot the name. Because she was dying, you know, and she's giving them all of this information. Dad didn't listen. Crying out. He does. No, his whole life he never listened. He really didn't. So I think he was turning 70. I think it was 70 or 75. Okay. And he came to us and said, I really want to know who my dad was. Right. And so we went to the county. And we petitioned for his original birth certificate. Right, the original one. That my grandmother had sealed. Right, it was under lock and key. So we petitioned them and said, look at my grandmother's long dead. His father, whoever that might be, is long Gotta dead. Gotta be dead, right. And he just wants this, you know, to know. Yeah, it's like some closure, right. And so they, they allowed it. They yep. gave us the birth certificate. Yes, they did. And in the evilness of my grandmother, (laughs) 
there was no father listed on the birth certificate. She sealed it, but there was nothing noted on it. Ugh. It was unknown. So we were back to square one yep. on this. Who's dad? So we decided, yeah, Maury, who's the dad? <laughs> who's the dad? So you are not the father. We ended up going and doing like 23andMe and Ancestry.com yep. and yep. all of those things. And what happened was a lady called another relative. I'll, I'll leave that as anonymous okay. as possible. Yeah. And called another relative and said, I am your sister. And this relative said, oh, you must mean my brother's sister mm-hmm. because I know, you know, I don't have a sister. I right. have brothers. Right. And she said to this relative, no, 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 no. I am your sister. I'm your sister. I am your sister. Come to find out that pretty much every child of my grandmother's had a different daddy. Different daddy. Likely. It's like an alley cat. <sighs> and they were all neighbors. Wow, she worked the neighborhood. It was convenient. Wow. I'll just say that. But in the meantime, we ended up digging more and being able to sort of you know, take the different genes away and, yes. and look deeper. And we ended up finding his father who had actually passed not long before we were looking. Interestingly enough, he had lived to 90 something years old, Oh, but he wasn't a good guy. No. We met with relatives who pretty much were like, yeah, he wasn't a good guy, but they <laughs> showed us pictures and why wasn't he a good guy? So he had owned a, what did they call the ice cream shops back in the day? Confectionaries. Soda, oh, solar shop? Yeah, confectionaries. Confectionaries. Yeah. He owned one of those, but it was really a front for the mob. Yeah. And he dealt with both the Irish mob and the Purple Gang. The Purple Gang. Detroit's notorious Purple Gang. So maybe my grandmother did protect him because maybe my dad would have yeah. had to be involved well, in the gang. If the guy who actually was his father, was married. Yeah, it's easier just getting rid of the the mistress and the kid, I guess, right. than it is, you know, dealing with his wife. So, yeah, I guess it kind of makes sense. Yeah, or, you or, know, what if an opposing gang had tried yeah, to kidnap? Yeah, they could kidnap and, yeah, revenge or, yeah, right. sure. So, I mean. Leverage. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. We don't know. know. We won't know. We can make lots of stories up, and we will never know. But the Purple Gang was infamous in Jackson Prison. There's kind of a funny story with regards to that, um, because it's believed that one of the professional hitmen of this infamous gang had actually escaped the prison without anyone knowing at Mm. night, assassinated a senator... And came back to the prison because he had an alibi because he was in prison. He was in prison. How amazing is that? Pretty good. Obviously not guarded very well. No. So, you know, just just so you know, you know, you rest really well, you know, at that time, knowing that people were behind bars or not. Now, weren't weren't the Purple Gang, I mean, wasn't that like a rival of Capone? In Chicago in those days? I know it was around the same time. It was. So the Purple Gang was the Jewish gang. Okay. And you had the Italian gang. You yeah. had, I mean, there was a lot of different gangs right. at the time. And it was, yeah, we should do one on all of maybe Michigan's yeah, gangs. Yeah, all the gangs. Capone 
had a lot of dealings in the Midwest. A lot of people want to claim that this was his hidey hole and that was his hidey hole and all of that. And a lot of it is like everyone wants to claim that the Underground Railroad was in the right, basement of right. their house too. We so. do know that he did have uh, dealings with people in Western we do. Michigan. Yeah. No, absolutely. And a lot of people in Chicago, they, you know, they want a cottage or you know, they want a vacation home. They do travel up to Michigan and, and get one, so... So, yeah, absolutely. Easy to uh, figure out. So then they filmed actually several different things at this prison. prison. The prison's actually very beautiful. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, we've been to several prisons, not not as criminals. No. And they are very beautiful. Yeah. The older prisons like Mansfield. Mansfield is where they filmed Shawshank. That's probably my favorite haunted facility. yeah. Yeah, facility. So in 2009, Edward Norton and Robert De Niro filmed the movie Stone. I've never seen it. I haven't either. After 2007, the facility was finally closed. But there was several, there was um, Conviction, a movie starring Hilary Swank, Street Boss, also did not see any of those. There was several, like Eminem, I think, had filmed a music video there. I think so, too. A lot of people had filmed stuff. Right. You know, there. So it was several years ago that I, you, us, had the opportunity to do public paranormal investigations at the old prison. Yeah. And um, that was pretty cool. We did quite a few of them, actually. We did a lot. And we were able to go into solitary confinement and the tunnels and lots because there's, you know, riots and there were several neglects, you know, of the prisoners. They were, they were in, like, they couldn't even sleep. They were pretty much in like stand up coffins of That's true. They did. Jails. They did treat them very, very badly. There was lots of torture and wrongful deaths and cruelty. And this was before the law's. Four of the prisoners were right. intact. So it was had a reputation as a place of unrest um, and lots of escapes that had happened. So there had been an awful lot of reports of apparitions that were still lingering. Yeah. Maybe looking for forgiveness, redemption, pardon, peace. Um, maybe a maybe. little bit of... Uh, uh, resentment that yeah, they had the too. Um, so a lot of people would report seeing apparitions and hearing voices or being touched or noisiness or just feeling bad. The doors were slamming, pipes would echo, like all of those kind of claims that had happened. And we had, and I don't know if you remember this, we had one of the investigations we would go down into the tunnels and the mm-hmm. tunnels had a reputation for a warden that was a really bad guy. Yes. And he would take his dogs with him mm-hmm. and they would move the prisoners down there from different parts of the prison. Yes. But they would also apparently torture yeah. them down there. Right. And we would play music. <laughs> so we would play the old old-timey music down there. To try to please them or see if we could get some kind of a response. And we began singing because, you know, karaoke during a ghost hunt (laughs) is exactly what ghosts want to hear. Nothing but the best. 
And we thought we were singing Jailhouse Rock <laughs> from Elvis. Elks. And we had this this instrument that's called the Spirit Box. And we were doing recordings of EVPs. And so we're singing. And then we realized that we were not singing Jailhouse Rock. We were singing Blue Suede Shoes. Yep. As we replayed the recording, a very gruff voice came on and said, wrong song. <laughs> so apparently we were being judged by the spirits, by the ghosts. True story. It was hysterical. Yeah, it was pretty funny. But we had an awful lot of people that were touched. Yep. People that were frightened. Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people ended up just leaving before the investigation yeah, even done. were done. And we had one instance where one of the hosts, his name was Jeff, I believe, him and I were in the tunnels. We were closing up for the night and him and I, I think it was our last investigation for that season, which ended up being our last investigation. Right we didn't know at the time. And all of a sudden there was this large ball of light at the end of the tunnels and we heard a growl and all of a sudden the light was like somebody with a flashlight running towards us. Uh. Jeff was a photographer, so he snapped several f- pictures of it while we also ran. <laughs> because in order to get down there, you had to go down a ladder. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that was pretty cool. Ended up, we were sort of boycotted from... Doing investigations Yeah, they didn't want any more investigations there. Because someone was stirring up the paranormal activity. Yes. And the homeowners or condo owners of the facility weren't too thrilled with the hauntings in their homes. Not very pleased, no. So they said, hey, knock it off. Get out of here. Stop. Stop it. Which I completely understand. Yeah, I do too. Like, completely understand. We weren't participating in any ugly... No, no. We're very respectful when we do ghost hunts. Right. And But there were other groups that were doing them, and they were utilizing a little bit more of the ghost adventures, you know, come at me, bro. Force, Type yeah. of disrespectful. Yeah, mean. Yep. Ouija boards, spirit boards, you know, different types of... Um, more, like you said, aggressive behavior that would maybe not make the spirits too happy. Because, I mean, you think about it. There's so many prisoners there, and a lot of them were in there for life, so obviously they died there. So there's a lot of activity. Or well, there was. and let them be at peace. Right. You know, I am completely fine with that, too. You know, we often, when we do investigations, we we want to help them. We don't force them to cross over. Yeah. But if they need help, we definitely will. There was an awful lot of illness in the prison. You have thousands of right. prisoners in close quarters. And a lot of times, they did this on purpose. Yeah. So they, they'd get them sick or give them some kind of epidemic. And then keep them all together. They right. would put them in an infirmary. Right. You give them tuberculosis, you slap them all together, they all die, and that's less people you got to take care of. They didn't care. They were prisoners. They didn't care. It it actually was a reporter that went in went into there. Um, I, I can't remember the full story, but he went in there sort of anonymously, or he snuck in, and he ended up getting the full story from the prisoners. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of the reform happened in Michigan. Which, thankfully, for that journalist, 
right. know, to do that. It was a newspaper journalist who saw the abuse that the warden and the security guards were causing these prisoners because some of these prisoners were stealing like loaves of bread yeah, to feed, to their feed family. the families right i remember that and we're serving a life sentence for yeah, it crazy inside with mobsters who had killed several people and just you just know terrible nuts. human beings yep. it, it wasn't a fair justice system then no and again like you said it was the largest prison in the united states yeah it was pretty big at one time yeah yeah at one time so that's my story of old Jackson Prison. Very interesting. I always love the history. And I guess with any kind of paranormal investigation, that's what I enjoy, the history, where it came from, what happened, you know, delving into it. We did another small prison in Allegan. I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. It was a tinier prison that we did. Yes. And that was actually pretty interesting as well, but it wasn't like the hard criminals no. that, you know, Jackson would have. Yeah, Jackson State. Yeah, it's, you know, we always made jokes about it when we were younger. You know, you keep that up, you're going to end up in Jackson State Prison. Yeah, and there still is, you know, yeah. signs don't pick up hitchhikers. Yeah, don't do this, don't do that. Can't picnic there on the grounds, you know. There are signs that <laughs> there I are. Say I know. That. It's just, yeah, I don't know. It's we, weird. We had one night. <laughs> we had just started the investigation, and we were all, you know, checking names off a list. And it was a hot summer night. It was so hot. Yeah. And everybody was there, and I think we had like twenty people. And the power went out. Yeah. Do you remember that? I do remember that. And half of the people left yeah, because said, okay. it scared them. Nope. Start. Nope. Can't do it. It was storming, but there was also a car accident that had caused the outage. Yeah. But it was storming. And they were like, nope, too freaky, too spooky. I'm out of here. And I'm like, this is like the this best. Is, this is right. The best time. Atmosphere and environment for this. And literally, you know, you, you do that. You do investigations. And most of the time, the lights are off anyway. They are out. You know, we have flashlights and whatnot. We did solitary confinement, which was really sad as well because they would leave people down there for years on end in pitch darkness. Oh, yeah. Was, so people would go blind. They'd be blind, yeah. They'd get daylight and then they couldn't see. Or because, crazy. Yeah. They just literally, they were chained to a wall like an animal. Literally crazy. It was awful. But we did have one contact with a a spirit who said that he had been a serial killer of children. Yeah. And I'm like, well, he probably deserved the whole. Yeah. So. I mean, obviously there were people that did. Yeah. And then you got to figure too, it's no different than today. I mean, I'm sure there were people in there that were probably innocent. Oh, absolutely. You know, and they had to live a life of hell. It's why the innocent act started yeah. and why we have a lot of, you know, charitable volunteery, you know, type of, right. you know, thank goodness for them. Right. Look into right. it a little bit. I mean, I worked a case one time where the the person that that went to jail for a crime. I'm going to try to stay as completely anonymous with this. There you go. Went to prison for the crime that he did not do. However, they were like, he's still a bad person and he probably did something bad or he will do something bad. Right. So we don't care if we've got the right person or not. We just know that this person is a bad person. Bad person, right. And the Innocent Foundation is still trying to clear his name because they know that he is innocent. Mm-hmm. And it is really sad. But then I start thinking when I'm talking to them, 
if I should be helping them because maybe he is a bad person. Oh, yeah, you know. It's such a weird ethical thing to go through. I don't know. I don't know. But he didn't do that crime, which means that, that the person that did that crime walked still, away. Yeah, still walking around. Well, yeah. probably not now. But yeah, they, well, it could be. Oh, yeah, they are. Okay. Yeah, because we know who it is. Mm. They walked. Mm. They walked. They moved. They walked. They lived a life. They've had kids. Mm-hmm. They they are living their best life while yeah. a away family with is murder, without literally. anybody. And the other family with the person in jail also, or in prison, also... Yeah. Doesn't have their their family. So oh, I never want to be behind bars. No. Not much fun. That is not my bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> that is it. So I spend the weekend in prison just to see what it's like. Oh no. Like. Oh no. I couldn't spend an hour in prison. well, one, I'm claustrophobic, yeah. but I couldn't do that. So that is Michigan's old oldest prison. Yes. And if you want to visit there, they sell art and books, and they used to do tours, but I don't think they do tours anymore. Yeah, I don't know. It was like quite a few history years ago tours, did, right? Not right. paranormal tours because they do not. They do those don't do anymore. that because you don't want to get those ghosts rustled up. Nope. My name's Christy, and I'm Chuck. This is Grave Matters. See you next time. <laughs>